Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg. And this is Chris Jackson. And Fred was talking to me about stress. Or was there something else in addition to stress? Yeah, and strength. Um, oh, strength. Okay. Yeah, so stress, strength, calculation. Strength. Remember those things? Um, and, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. Well, actually, it was a question that came in. A, 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 a SIF, A-S-I-F, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. A SIF sent a question over. And was asked to do some calculations to estimate um, uh, expected failure rate or, or reliability type figures uh, using a, a, a situation. I didn't, and they didn't provide the details of what product it was or what kind of calculation mm-hmm. it was, but it was a mechanical engineer said, well, we, I can give you the maximum stress and I can give you the, the maximum strength. And I'm like, okay. And just single points. That's all I got. Uh, and I don't know whether they were from specs or from engineering judgment or wherever they came from. And so the question was basically, so what do I do now? And, and had a disdain for using, um, I, I think it's, what was the name of the database that he referenced here? Let's see. Um, no, I didn't mention it. But for mechanical parts, there's a, a handbook that lists all kinds of uh, failure rate type stuff, NFPD or something like that. Um, I don't remember the name of it, uh, but he didn't want to go to there because he didn't know where that data came from or if it applied to their product or environment or anything else. And, and so I was kind of asking the right questions, but what do I do? If all I have is a drawing that has maybe a spec uh, or a, a tolerance, essentially, this is how strong this could be. And, and a set of here's what the environmental stress that we're designing for that's its number. And so the question is, what do I do? How do I make progress with this? So I thought I'd hit you with that one. Cause I'm quite sure you've seen something like this before. Yeah. And you, you can't answer that question without having more information. And that doesn't mean that as a reliability engineer, you go too hard, can't answer it. You might need to, um, be clever with how you, you generate additional information which can come through um, things like assumptions and expert judgments and even some basic logical stuff including you know uh, let's call it envelope scenarios where you say well in, in terms of the variation of strength the worst case scenario could be this and st- and the stresses well the worst case scenario could be this in addition not just the, in terms of the max strength and max stress but um, how that stress is distributed because that those maximum minimum values are just analogous to limits. Right. And it doesn't give you the mean or a variance term. So, right. it, so my, my first piece of advice was, was, well, head to the lab, go make some mm-hmm. measurements, you know, um, figure out, or maybe, you know, if you can't, if you don't have a bunch of systems out there that you can go measure it and, for, so let's say just as hypothetically that it's a, a flange, for example, you know, the tolerancing of that flange from it to the manufacturer says, you know, what size it could be and what radiuses and all these other things that are specified. Well, all of those could vary. 
well, what is mm-hmm. your actual variation? And then go back to your CAD system and say, finite element, what's my strength, relative strength, if it's a millimeter difference in, in thickness? Or is it more material property? You know, is it, what's the variation, a relationship between uh, some manufacturing step for your material and its eventual tensile strength, for example? or whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll find some papers on it or some tech, you know, somebody studied this already and, and, or go, my favorite part is go to the lab and break it, <laughs> go measure it. <laughs> it's always a lot of fun. Um, and then the strength, the stress side of it, uh, same thing is instrument a bunch of them up and get people to stand on it or load it up or put a forklift load on it or, you know, whatever, just actually go get measurements and, get something uh so i was surprised that you your first thought was well use expert judgment or or i think was another equal i wouldn't say equally valid but as valid it's just different set of assumptions because i have measurement error and i've got all these other problems uh but i like the logical approach like well how weak or how strong could it be and it sets a boundary and then we can assume a distribution in the middle of it i just like when when I mean, the, the 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 problem summary comes down to just not having enough information. So when I when I start explaining what information can look like, of course it could be from your own test data. I always like starting with the stuff that most people seem to tend to discard from the very start. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. You can no no reason why you can't go to your own testing. Um, the other thing is, you could ask. I know this goes against the context of the problem where you're just given a number. But for example, let's just say it's minimum strength, unlikely to be maximum strength of a component. It's more likely to be minimum strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, a vendor is not going to probably say, this will be no weaker than X. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. Then you could ask the vendor, why do you think this? Why do you think it is, this is uh, the weakest, you know, the, the minimum strength of your component? You might be surprised. They might say, well, we do SPC and PCA or what have you, and uh, that's our lower specification limit, and we maintain a, a capability index of 1.7, which exceeds our – all of a sudden, you go, you oh, got okay. all kinds so, of data. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go, well, if you got that information, you can very easily work out the probability that a component's going to be weaker than that minimum value. So – just asking, you might be surprised what you can get from your vendor. Uh, that number had to come from somewhere. Um, if it came from... <laughs> Not always, Chris, in my experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, it had to come from somewhere. It could have been from a rigorous analysis or it could have been from a lunchtime meeting on a Friday where people asked, well, what do you think? Um, so it came yeah. from somewhere. That, that, that place could be <laughs> more reputable than others. But Well, I mean, it was... I've mentioned this story a number of times, but I was sent to a uh, fan uh, manufacturer for electronic component size fans. And I asked where their reliability figure came from. And they said, well, everybody else advertises this number. So we use the same number. I mean, it was literally (laughs) from the general manager saying, oh, that we just use that because everybody else puts it on our data sheet. It has nothing to do with how long they last. (laughs) <laughs> it's like okay um, 
Yeah, you already lost before you started. <laughs> and they were the best. But, uh, in our internal data of using different vendors and tracking fan failures, which was a one of the higher Pareto issues across the company, this vendor was the best. They performed better right. than anybody else. Their products lasted better, <laughs> moved more air longer, that kind of thing. And we're trying to figure out what, what did they do different. And basically it was counterintuitive for me from a reliability point of view is they completely ignored reliability and just designed products and it just turned out to be pretty good. Yeah, um, well, it might be a little bit counterintuitive unless it was an industry standard just to use an industry standard reliability figure. <laughs> it was. I think yeah. it was the marketing thing and they didn't think anything more of it and it's on the data sheet. Everybody else has it on their data sheet, so we'll just use what everybody else is because apparently the market expects that kind of number and okay, off we go. But anyway, that's the exception. Vast majority of time mm -hmm. you get, you will get reliability, but it'll be something. Right. But this poor folk, Asif, is, you know, looking at, I don't want to just make up a number. I, I think there's a Dilbert cartoon about that. And it says, well, if I have no information and not a clear question, I could just give you an any answer and you'll be happy with that. And his boss goes, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but again, you, you, should, you should never just assume the vendor has nothing. I mean, you, you might be cynical after years of, of dealing with recalcitrant vendors, but not all vendors are recalcitrant, so... No, that's true. I agree. That's a good... I didn't think of that. Ask ask your uh, material suppliers or, or manufacturings or, or whoever. Get some more info. And if nothing else, you can get some more, you know, experienced uh, background or expert knowledge kind of thing to say, well, here's a range that you could expect. Right. right. And then, uh, I mean, you can also use that conversation on the phone to work out whether you trust that organization because if they simply say well we've done you know we've been in this business for x hundred years and you know we've got reams of data analysis and this that and the other and you say okay what is that data analysis it's just data analysis it's really robust what is it robust data analysis. you go okay right. so yeah. you, you don't have any any idea we use excel once yeah <laughs> <laughs> or something like that no I, I hear you but i mean that's a great idea is you know especially if they're um you know, trying to create a stable, consistent product, they probably do use process capability and SPC. And, and, and mm -hmm. if they do that in a meaningful, that's, that's, what's the word that you have is tranche. They have a whole pile of oh, tranche of data. Yeah, yeah tranche of data. <laughs> but but that would be real. If you do an SPC and PCA, that's actually going to be a really massive and useful data set oh, yeah. um, that could hypothetically be given to you for free. Yep. Um, now, how about the other side, though? Because the vendor is less likely to know what range of stresses that your right. shaped piece of metal is going to expect to withstand, for example. Um, yeah. So what do you do there? What would be a... Because I thought, you know, if you've got willing customers and the marketing team doesn't like, you know, allows engineers to talk to customers, then you could go me make measurements or replicate the range of measurements or I don't know, or assume worst case uh, uh, and put a distribution on it. But I don't, there I'm more fuzzy about how do you go about getting the environmental side, the stress side that you're expecting to see. Well, the other thing is that let's, let's just say you've gone through step one and just say you got some meaningful information from your vendor. And let's just say that meaningful information allows you to create the 
PDF curve of strength, like the strength curve. Right. You might be able to look at that straight away and say, hang on, the maximum stress level given to me is actually 14 standard deviations below the mean. So you might need, that's all you might need to do is say, hey, team, I just analyzed the strength and here's the best guess and this is reasonable, even with some, you know, allowances for inaccuracies. Yep. But this is so far above the figure you told me was a maximum stress level that we can be reasonably confident that it's going to be a-okay. Of course, a question, we don't have a question here. They're not, we're not, I mean, the question could be, is this okay? Or the question could be, what will be the failure rate implied by the stress strength interference curve? Or, yeah. um, but if it's, if the yeah. question is, are we okay? Then you could just be that, that, that simple. Well, that's, well, that, the issue I have with that is thinking through a problem like this is that there's, yeah, that would be wonderful that you're orders of magnitude away from where you expect stress to be. And you have reasonable expectation of this is this, the upper stress that you're going to see, you know, factoring in solar flares and earthquakes and everything else. You're <laughs> like, yeah, no, we're, we're minuscule chance. Where is this, that this, where is this component being used? It's going to be simultaneously hit by an earthquake and a solar flare. This is well, it's California. <laughs> Yesterday was a big right, solar right. flare storm, apparently. Uh, not enough that it affected. Although I was on a cell phone with somebody and they kept fading out. And like, yeah, for whatever, and she was like, for whatever reason, today's self coverage here is really bad. So I attributed it to the solar flare storm, right. the solar storm. Um, but she said, no, it's like that all the time. The more important the call, the less often that, that we got coverage. So, yeah. Um but the, I mean, there's three scenarios I look at it is, is that there's one where it's obvious you're so far away, it's not a problem at all. And then the engineer is going to say, oh, great, I'm going to shave off, you know, four pounds of metal off of this thing and make it a lot weaker because I got room. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the marketing guys are going to say, oh, you can put 10 times the load on this thing and you'll be fine. And, you know, it's like, hold on, guys, hold on. <laughs> Let's <laughs> Having a big margin does not mean you get free lunch, you know, kind of thing. The other scenario is, is that, you know, you go through the strength and your strongest end of the strength curve is below your stress, you know, is the stress is going to dominate is the, mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. And then you're in big trouble. Yeah, this isn't going to work, guys. And, and let's go to the lab and just break one. It makes it easy and just show them. But the, the worst scenario is where you're in the middle and it's like it overlaps. It could be overlapping one percent it could be overlapping ten percent it's just a guess but there's no clear picture that it's really good or it's really bad that said i mean it's been my experience you tend to find extreme interpretations rather than the sort of textbook picture you i i tend to find scenarios where the stress clearly exceeds the strength which is bad or the scenarios where the strength clearly exceeds the stress, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that, especially organizations that haven't thought a lot about it, the chances that the design stress happens happens to be in the ballpark is the um, design strength for organizations who haven't really thought about it too hard is relatively small. So well, a lot that, of the time you find yeah, it. No, I, I have to disagree on that one, Chris. I've oh, run into really? engineers that go that don't understand this concept of stress strength or derating at all. And it, one example is from electronics is they said, well, I need a pump that moves, you know, so many, so much pressure. And 
they went to the catalog, they found a pump and he says, Oh, it's cheaper. If I get one that we're their their rated ability is what we need. And they had no margin at all mm-hmm. and half their products failed. I mean, but that's my point. That's what, that's what I'm saying. I, well, I find that organizations who don't do this well, they, from my experience, they tend to be one extreme or the other. They, they, they tend to have a stress, uh, a, t- a horrible stress strength curve scenario where the stress really exceeds the strength yep. or they just luckily have a strength which greatly exceeds the stress. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I've seen cases in both and, and yet there's, to me, it's like you want to be clear about it and, and getting the good estimate of the variances is about the only way you can really understand because, yeah, you know, if the stress really could go from like no load whatsoever to a negative load. And, and I actually ran into that once where it was instead of supporting a weight or a mass, uh, the mass that was on this flange, for example, was pulling on it. And the designer went, no, well, that's not supposed to happen. And I was, well, then you explain why this flange is bent that way. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, that negative stress is he just didn't comprehend that one at all. And it wasn't designed for that. It, it was kind of weird. But anyway, the, um, I, and it's, I run into it in not just stress strength calculations, but any experiment. If I run the experiment and I don't have enough samples, it's very likely I'll get a non-conclusive answer. And so thinking through this problem, I was like, hmm, well, what are the scenarios that could happen? And if I have scant information, what's the probability of getting a non-committal answer? And it goes up dramatically when it's, you don't have a whole lot of anything. And so I was focusing on just, well, what are the variances? What are the variability of each of these two curves? Not necessarily what their distribution is, but how much could they vary? And and there I can say, all right, if that very, that's a key piece of information to know whether these two PDFs overlap at all or to to any significant extent. Uh, but just having two point estimates or two specs is doesn't give me any information about the variability. Right, and then, I mean, I often use some. If, if someone gives me like a, this is a, this is an absolute upper limit of something, mm-hmm. you go, do you know much about it? No, but this is the absolute upper limit. Then one approach is simply going, okay, I'm going to assume the mean is half that. So if the upper limit is ten, I'm going to assume the mean is half that and have. Uh, maybe two uh, assume that's that the, the upper limit is two standard deviations or three standard deviations above the mean because that mm-hmm. actually is quite a spread out. That's pretty spread out and that's pretty conservative too. Right, right. And and, and we need to truncate it a little bit too because it's so spread out it would go below zero. But you, or you which can happen, the, which can happen. <laughs> well, that might well, that might be something you need to consider as well. But if it can't, if you can't have a stress that goes below zero, yeah, which in some cases is true, yeah. And you truncate or use a log normal, but either way, use some basic. All right, what's the most conservative way of in, including a lot of variation, reasonable variation? You don't want to create work for yourself unnecessarily. Well, you see that, you in, can do that in some studies, they say the most conservative is a uniform distribution. Just spread it out all the way across. So your the tails, the extremes get weighted heavier. But that's not based on any. I mean, that's just a 
premise that people use. Yeah, yeah it's just being, I don't know if it's skewed or normal or whatever the shape of this distribution of a PDF is. So I'll assume it's uniform, which- But we, but that's actually throwing information away because if you have a typical value of anything, then you know that the PDF shape is gonna have- It's gonna have a peak, it's gonna, it's gonna have a point. It's gonna yeah. have a peak, yeah. So it's gonna be a log normal or a wibble with a high shape parameter or a, or normal. So using the uniform distribution, I feel like a lot of people think, oh, that's the most conservative approach. But also um, the uniform distribution also implies hard upper and lower limits. So you need yeah. to say, all right, it goes from zero to 20, but that means that it will never, ever go above 20, whereas that's not a constraint of the normal distribution or the log normal distribution. Right. It will still have a finite chance of it going above whatever limit you put on it, yeah. which yeah. I prefer. Yeah, no, that's a good but, point. Yeah, no, that's, that sounds good. The um, other thing too is if it, I mean, what's, what's your stress? I mean, if the stress is, for example, voltage from a regulated power supply that you've got in your system, then there's not going to be a lot of variance from that stress. If it's a three volt power supply, that's not going to have the same peaks and troughs as. Well, um, it depends on where you plug it in. You might get a 3000, you know, 10 millisecond spike in there, 3000 volt spike coming through. But that's not, that's, that's a different problem though, which is, I, I, I concur um, with what you say. You, you can have dirty power supplies with that, you know, initial spike. The, yeah. No, there's all kinds of sources of variation. And, and the hard part is, but you're right. If it's a three volt supply from a battery, for example, it's going to fade. And that's about the biggest variation you're going to get. It's right. going to go from three volts to 2.5. And then your system says, hey, I'm tired. Which usually means that, uh, which is, I mean, that's bad news in terms of your system doing what it's supposed to do. But it's also less stress. Yeah. So. Either way, you could you make some reasonable assumptions about the variation of the maximum stress from a battery, which is a good example. It's not going to if the maximum stress is three volts, it's not going to be too much higher than that ever. Whereas if the stresses are associated with the braking of a vehicle, yeah. well, now you got to consider <laughs> load and angle of the road and speed of braking and all kinds of other forces come into play on that one. That, that alcohol one gets consumption, yeah. um, all those things. Yeah. That's where variation is going to be. How dependent the driver is on their horn instead of the mm -hmm. brakes and you know all kinds ride of ride conditions, yeah. seasons. Not to mention material properties of the braking materials you know right it's okay yeah we could get deep dive into that one and then we never get on a truck or an airplane or a bus again right but i think my point is is that if you know if the stress is you know that for example a voltage from a battery versus braking stresses associated with a vehicle you clearly know one is going to have way more variation than the other yeah and so don't introduce variation to be conservative conservative unnecessarily. If you just ask, well, where does the stress come from? You can perhaps say, oh, okay, I don't need to have, you know, three standard deviations, just go to the moon um, on this yeah. stress. Yeah. yeah, and that's a good point. I didn't even think of that one at all. So what's the magnitude of this calculation? Is this life-saving or is this, you know, mm -hmm. super dangerous or is this one of many pieces in here and... We've never had issues with it, and it's not a novel new design, and we're just trying to get a figure of merit here, <laughs> you know, or is it catastrophic? So, yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to go at this thing. Um, but anyway, that, that was a, one of the many, many uh, regular, frequent, what's the right word here, Chris, that I, we receive questions on a regular basis. 
Not hot topic? Hot I topic. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I, we received this question. It made a nice uh, podcast discussion and a couple different options and learned a little bit as I went along here. I appreciate the the insight on the uniform distribution, for example. And so hopefully you as the listener picked up a couple of things out of this. It is, uh, and it's one of those things that if you've got a question, ask it because other people may well have a similar question or will run into a similar situation. So it's a way to to uh, share the, the knowledge and do all those other good stuff. Plus it gives Chris and I and the other hosts of the show something to talk about. So Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR, and you can find a couple of different ways to leave us a message. Or uh, Chris and I and the, the rest of the hosts of the show are um, available through LinkedIn or through our about pages on the site. So plenty of ways for you to get some comments or questions over to us. And we sure, certainly like to see that. We're, we're actually, I think, Chris, at the lower end of our stress limit on the um, <laughs> number of questions we get because we seem to be able to keep up with it pretty well. So, okay. So the stress is low, strength is high. Well, I didn't say anything about strength, so we'll have to come well, back and talk about that some other day. <laughs> it's all relative, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we got four more, or, you know, what, we do two a week, so we've got five more days we could do podcasts, so we got plenty of, of margin here. Fair enough. Yeah, they were good. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks for your insights on this one. And uh, we'll look forward to some more questions, see what comes around. Looking forward to that one as well. All right. Thanks, Chris. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show. Please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.